Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have a lot to talk about today, so grab your stool, get comfortable. Uh, There's some big issues we need to discuss. Good, bad, and crazy martinis. And Jim, the good one is that the truth is coming out. Uh, Dr. Robert Redfield was head of the CDC during the Trump COVID year. He, of course, was replaced by Rochelle Walensky. And once you've heard this testimony, you'll see what a downgrade that was. But Dr. Redfield asked a lot of pointed questions on the House side of Capitol Hill yesterday, and he was very frank about a lot of things. And it's going to infuriate you, but it's good that we know it. And a lot of it is just confirming what we suspected. First of all, here's a quick exchange between uh, Redfield and uh, Ohio Congressman Brad Wenstrup talking about the pros and cons of gain of function research that we now know was going on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Proponents of this research claim it may result in vaccines or maybe even stop a pandemic. Dr. Redfield, has gain of function created any life saving vaccines or therapeutics to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Has gain of function stopped a pandemic, to, in your opinion? No, on the contrary, I think it probably caused the greatest pandemic our world has seen. Do you find any tangible benefits uh, to gain-of-function research at this time? I personally don't, but I do want to stress, I think the men and women that support it are people of good faith because they truly believe it's going to lead to a potential benefit. I disagree with that assessment. But here's the whopper. This is uh, Redfield talking with New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, great Greek name, about the pivoting on a dime of how Anthony Fauci and other scientists tried to explain the outbreak of COVID. The initial email said it had all the hallmarks of a lab leak and not naturally occurring. But just a few days later, there was a report suggesting that it was and could only be a natural phenomenon. Here is this amazing exchange. It's a little longer. However, just three days later, these four scientists had drafted a paper arguing the exact opposite. And that's now the infamous proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2. Our investigations show this paper was prompted by Dr. Fauci, among others, with a goal to disprove the lab leak theory. What is the likelihood that these scientists came across additional information just three days after making these statements to conclude with such certainty that COVID-19 came from nature instead of the lab leak that they thought it was three days earlier? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Again, I've said this before, that this whole approach that was taken on February 1st and subsequently in the month of February, if you really want to be truthful, it's antithetical to science. Thank you. Science has debate, and they squashed any debate. Thank you. Given what we know now and looking at all the conversations in February of 2020 and before the release of the paper, do you think that uh, Dr. Fauci used this paper to hide the gain-of-function research created, that gain-of-function research created this virus? 
I can't talk about Fauci's motivation. Do you think that the paper does hide the truth? I think it's an inaccurate paper that basically was part of a narrative that they were creating. Remember, this pandemic did not start in January at the seafood market. We now know there was infections all the way back into September. This was a narrative that was decided that they were going to say this came from the wet market and they were going to do everything they could to support it to negate any discussion about the possibility that this came from a laboratory. I got 20 seconds left. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? I think it did, not, not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. It came from a lab. Fauci blatantly lied about it, and we paid for it all. Jim? So I think Dr. Robert Redfield, and I say it that way because I have this bad habit of calling him Dr. Robert Redford. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't mind that comparison in terms of appearances, but uh, I probably should get his name correctly. It is very interesting. You think about um, who Americans heard from and who they pictured when they think of the U.S. government response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, Fauci, he's the superstar. He's the one doing the interviews on late night television and everywhere else. Uh, Dr. Deborah Burks is kind of somewhere in the middle. And I feel like Robert Redfield is, is the guy who kind of got lost in the shuffle, who doesn't get nearly as much attention. And he describes being kind of shut out of these conversations that basically early on, he said, hey, this was it. And by the way, in, in both his book and or within um, Scott Gottlieb's book, there are several books that talk about how Redfield was talking with his Chinese counterpart and early on, the, the head of the Chinese CDC and the Chinese CDC early on, you know, this is the whole time the government of China is saying there's no evidence of human to human spread. This is all under control. This is all because of some sort of, you know, infection going back to a seafood market. And Redfield describes his Chinese counterparts at one night just breaking down and then having real difficulty getting in touch with him thereafter, that the Chinese government knew they had something really bad on their hands and that they were basically he was being gagged, that he was not being allowed to speak honestly about the severity of the threat. Uh, it is really, really unnerving. And this is a guy who I feel like we should have been hearing a lot more from. This is not the first time Redfield has made comments like this. I do think this is the highest profile uh, venue he has had to make comments like this. I don't think you can dismiss him as some nut, as some conspiracy theorist, or as some guy who doesn't understand viruses and viral research and things like that. I I'm glad to see that here we are in March 2023. The New York Times recently had a column this morning that said, you know, belief, openness to the lab leak theory is no longer a partisan issue. Well, it never should have been a partisan issue. This is ridiculous. And I have this, you know, feeling that there were two big reasons why people really didn't want to believe this. One, particularly in the year 2020, they wanted to believe that they wanted COVID-19 to be a Trump story. They wanted the story to be, oh, Donald Trump is messing up the response to this, and that's why you shouldn't vote for him. And anything that pointed to China, and anything that pointed to China being dishonest about this, and anything about the idea of there someone being sloppy, irresponsible, reckless, uh, or otherwise, you know, in denial of the risks over at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that didn't help the narrative. And thus, it had to be, you know, pushed aside, pushed to the back burner if it was acknowledged at all. It's not the most important thing. This was, you know, there are a lot of people who wanted COVID-19, arguably one of the biggest and most global, you know, globally affecting events of the modern era. 
maybe you can put 9-11 up there, but this this is, you know, really about as big as it gets. And they wanted this to be another, this is a story of bad Republicans. At Redfield, uh, I'm glad to see we're finally getting some serious. I'm glad Democrats are now open to this. Now that I guess it's safe. Now that it's not going to cause Trump to get reelected, although who knows? Um, but I'm really glad this hearing has gone out the way it has. I'm not the least bit surprised that a bunch of House Democrats wanted to turn this into a, isn't it terrible that disinformation smeared the good name of Dr. Anthony Fauci, blah, blah, blah. They did an exceptional job of missing the point. And that is, I, I lay out in today's Morning Jolt, why it matters, why the consequences of this are so big. Low end of the death estimate, we're looking at 7 million people killed around the world. High end, maybe 28 million, right? Everybody who lost somebody deserves answers. And whoever did this deserves to be held accountable. Look, maybe it's a, it's from a wet market. I'm skeptical, but I think, or at least I think the evidence points very heavily in the direction of a lab leak. But uh, you know, I'm not. I have no opposition to cracking down on animal smugglers. I'd love to see the wet markets in China get uh, uh, held to a higher standards of cleanliness and being sanitized and things like that. Just because I, you know, this it's more likely this one came from a lab leak doesn't mean you can't have future pandemics coming out of a wet market. But this virus acted very differently than the original SARS. This virus acted very differently from MERS and Zika and H1N1. Something made this really contagious amongst human beings when it came from a bat. Oh, by the way, China's never found this virus in a bat. Doesn't that seem weird? Anyway, I ran into about this a million times if you listen to this podcast. I suppose you're probably getting tired of it. But finally, the rest of the country seems to be catching up to the discussions we've had on this podcast now going back three years, Greg. Yeah, glad the truth is getting out. But the fact that it seems like we were more interested as a government in protecting China's reputation than telling the mm. truth to the American people is about as maddening as it gets. Because remember, China was lying about how it started. And so the Fauci and his allies clearly picked that up when they had evidence from their analysts uh, that it was a lab leak or very likely. And then the whole lie about whether it was transmissible. China was pushing that for weeks and weeks and weeks and obviously led to a slower response than there probably would have been otherwise. And so the full-on, all-hands-on-deck defense of China and protection of their reputation is just absolutely inexcusable. But here's something that's also good, and that is 4Patriots. You can head over to 4Patriots.com slash martini to see all their great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. Plus, you'll get free shipping on orders over $97. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X now has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run your big appliances when your power goes out. Your fridge, your freezer, medical devices, and a lot more. Comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Also, fantastic deals still available on their website in other areas, including the Solar Go Fridge, the Sauna Wrap Therapeutic Blanket, and the Vital Swing Therapeutic Wellness Machine. Visit 4Patriots.com martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini that's for patriots.com slash martini all right jim on to our bad martini now and again it's good the truth is coming out but man this was just absolutely infuriating also up on capitol hill i believe this was before the house foreign affairs committee and this is marine corps sniper sergeant tyler vargas andrews he was stationed at abbey gate on the day that the suicide bomber 
killed 13 Americans and scores of others, wounding many others, including him. He lost two limbs in this situation. And his testimony says none of this needed to happen. They had excellent intel. They had seen a dry run of a terrorist attack just a couple of days earlier. And then they had uh, intel from an asset in Afghanistan about what to look for. Everything they saw fit the bill, but they couldn't get the go-ahead to pull the trigger. Here's what he said. Around 2 a.m. on August 26th, intel guys confirmed the suicide bomber in the vicinity of and nearing Abbey Gate. Described as clean-shaven, brown-dressed, black vest, and traveling with an older companion. I asked the intel guys why he wasn't apprehended sooner since we had a full description. I was told the asset could not be compromised. Throughout the entirety of the day on August 26, 2021, we disseminated the suicide bomber information to ground forces at Abbey Gate. He was spotted somewhere from noon to 1 p.m. by myself, then Sergeant Charles Schilling, and another. The anomaly in the crowd, who was clean-shaven and fit the description exactly, traveling with an older gentleman. The individual was consistently and nervously looking up at our position through the crowd. The older of the two wore a black silky hijab that was covering his face most of the time. They both had obvious mannerisms that go along with who we believed him to be. They handed out small cards to the crowd periodically, and the older man sat calmly and seemingly coached the bomber. Over the communication network we passed that there was a potential threat and an ID attack imminent. This was as serious as it could get. I requested engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men. We reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Eventually, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. We made everyone on the ground aware. Operations had briefly halted, but then started again. Plain and simple, we were ignored. And it doesn't stop there, Jim. The testimony goes on in extraordinarily gut-wrenching fashion of him being in the explosion and how he lost those the one arm and one leg and uh, seeing his brothers in arms lying dead and, and grievously wounded around him. And then at the very end of his statement, he talked about just how much interest the government had in his report after the fact. Not much. I ask you to please ask me about getting shot at the tower in Abbey Gate and how no one wanted my report post-blast. Even NCIS and the FBI failed to interview me. Ask me to elaborate on my ordeal post-blast and ask me about this one little girl and her family that I reunited. Our military members and veterans deserve our best because that is what we give to America. The withdrawal, <clears throat> the withdrawal was a catastrophe in my opinion, and there was an inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. The 11 Marines, one sailor, <clears throat> and one soldier that were murdered that day have not been answered for. Jim, our forces were put in a virtually impossible position to begin with with that operation. And then to not let them do their job in the most dire of moments is completely inexcusable. Just when you thought the way the U.S. ended its mission in Afghanistan could not get worse, this is worse. This is, and look, we will, I, my, my fear is this will all get swept under the rug. That nobody wants to look back at Afghanistan too badly. Uh, that there are too many people in government in positions of authority who are embarrassed by it who know that it's bad for the administration, who know that it's bad for the Pentagon, who know that everybody looks bad because of this. And as a result, they don't want to look too hard, you know, too closely at what happened. Um, and as so my, my fear is that not, we won't get any further answers on this. This is a very compelling argument of why there should be a further investigation of this. 
I also cannot help but wonder, Greg, how much the attitude from the administration that we're out of here, we are we are ending our mission. We don't care how we're going to meet that deadline. This is it. We don't care. You know, in other words, like there was no nothing was going to deter the the administration in the Pentagon from meeting that deadline. And there was just, you know, details be damned. We're not keeping Bagram open. We're not going to protect. We're not going to make sure we get our people out. We're not even going to make sure we get all U.S. citizens out. We are leaving in this state, period. We're, the last helicopter's flying out. It's going to be just like Saigon. Never mind that our president said you wouldn't see helicopters flying off the roof of the embassy. And we're going to get out of here, and eventually the American public is going to forget about that. And I think the Biden administration could argue, well, yeah, look at how much coverage you see of, America the, of Afghanistan these days. The American public did forget about it. On the other hand, you look at Biden's approval rating, that Afghanistan really was the moment it turned. His disapproval rating was higher than his approval rating, and it's never recovered. So the art, the narrative that the grown-ups were back in charge took serious damage from that. But that's cold comfort, I'm sure, for those who are injured, those who lost their lives, and those who lost loved ones because of the way we chose to pull out back in summer of 2021. I'm sure you're going to get an argument from someone in the administration or someone loyal to it saying, well, there were huge crowds. And what if you missed? You would start a stampede and something like that could have potentially gone horribly wrong. Well, guess what did go horribly wrong? A suicide bomber at the gate that not only killed 13 Americans, uh, American service members, but scores and scores of people. I don't think uh, a sniper, after doing a great deal of due diligence, could have possibly created a scenario uh, worse than that. The other thing I want to take away from here, Jim, is elections have consequences legislation is probably not going to come out of either one of these hearings that we talked about today. But without Republicans running the House, this stuff never happens. And we don't get this type of testimony uh, from Sergeant uh, Vargas Andrews or from Dr. Redfield. Accurate. That's an important point. And, you know, when we think about uh, taking the legislative majority, the free, most people think of getting bills passed and, oh, it's divided government, nothing's going to get done. Oversight hearings have their role, and I think what we saw both on the COVID issue, lab leak issue and on the withdrawal from Afghanistan issue, um, good work from House Republicans and the sort of things Americans need to know to make informed decisions for the future. All right. Well, we need, we need to take a breath from these two stories. It's so infuriating and so maddening. So let's talk about something a little bit more serene, and that's where our next sponsor comes in, and that's Fast Growing Trees. I've talked about the plants we've had before. We've got this Monstera plant, which really is monstrously huge. Uh, we also have uh, the lemon tree. And then, of course, uh, we have the fig tree, which is doing a great job over there in the corner as well. So if you really want to spruce up your house inside or outside, you want to go with FastGrowingTrees.com. The plant experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate, from Meyer lemons to evergreens and everything in between. No more waiting in long lines or hauling heavy plants around and making a mess in the back of your car or stuff like that. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a couple of days. Join more than 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers by going to FastGrowingTrees.com slash martini now and get 15% off your entire order. Again, get 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com slash martini. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Jim, it's time for the crazy martini. So it's a little surprise. Gavin Newsom frequently qualifies for this category. And, uh, of course, uh, there are a few things that matter more to people like him than Making sure abortions keep happening. Uh, this is from Politico, but I think a lot of people have seen this in other places as well. California will not renew a $54 million contract with Walgreens in response to the company's decision not to dispense an abortion drug in states where Republican officials have threatened legal action against them. The decision, which Newsom previewed in a tweet on Monday, comes as the governor and lawmakers have taken broad measures in recent months to ensure abortion is available in California and to make the state a place where people from elsewhere can get the procedure following the June ruling by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. In an interview with Politico, Newsom says, this is an attempt to call the question, which side are you on? Whose side are you on? Are you going to just cower in the face of bullies? Are you just going to roll over? So... Jim, there are 21 states where Republican AGs have threatened legal action against pharmacies that provide the, the medication. I would certainly dispute with the Governor Newsom who the bullies are in this situation in terms of what private retailers want to do or not want to do. But uh, what do you make of him uh, taking up this cause here? Well, first of all, Walgreens is being entirely reasonable. They're saying where it is legal, we're going to sell it. Where it is not legal to sell it, or we could end up getting sued, we're not going to sell it in the absence of greater legal uh, clarity, shall we say. Now, you can dislike what other state attorney generals are doing. Gavin Newsom can do that. But Gavin Newsom isn't just, you know, stopping there. He's saying, no, 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 state of California, unless you decide to get into this legal fight with these 21 other state attorney generals, we're not going to let you do business with us there. So in other words, if you ever wanted a company to just do their jobs, just sell you stuff, just honor the laws of the states that they're in, then Walgreens is trying to do that. Walgreens does not want to get dragged into the political wars. It does not want to get dragged into the culture wars. It just wants to follow the law and serve its customers. Gavin, That's not good enough for Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom has decided to declare war on Walgreens. And in the process, they're basically saying, you know, uh, that this convenience store is, be, you know, is being a bully by not doing what Gavin Newsom wants. Now, obviously, Gavin Newsom comes across as much more of a bully, but there's another aspect to this. Now, if you listen to this podcast or if you listen to various other folks who cover California state government and the political and, and you know economic and crime and other issues going on in California, California's got a long list of problems. What's odd is that you don't see a lot of competitive races in California because there really isn't much of an effective Republican Party out there. 
Gavin Newsom just got reelected and won't be up for reelection for a while. And yet people will say, oh, my goodness, look how bad the, the homeless situation is. Oh, my goodness, look at these rising crime rates. Oh, my goodness, look at these big stores that are shutting down in the middle of major California cities because they can't stop the waves of uh, shoplifting and, and mobs that come through and ransack the place and all that stuff. Uh, it was back in April 2022. My colleague Nate Hockman had uh, went through and pointed out that Gavin Newsom, you look at his Twitter feed, you look at his uh, public statements and all that stuff, he honest to goodness talks more about what red states are doing than California. This is one of the many reasons people believed that, uh, Cal- that he wanted to run for president. He loved talking about what Ron DeSantis was doing in Florida. He loved talking about what Texas was doing. He basically, I think it's it's two parts. One is the more he talked about how bad things were in those other states, which, by the way, they weren't that bad. In fact, they were pretty good. Um, The more he could get Californians to say, ha, well, I'm being mugged right now. And I just stepped in human feces on the street in San Francisco. But thank goodness I don't live in that hellhole run by Ron DeSantis. Or, oh, my goodness, you know, um, businesses are shutting down. And it looks like they said of the last of us here in Los Angeles, but boy, thank goodness I don't live in Texas, you know, with all those with all those jobs. You know, that'd be terrible. <laughs> um, and, and I think that this is one of the reasons that California has co- become dysfunctional. There's this uh, urban planning policy wonk guru, whatever you want to call it, named Richard Florida. Uh, very popular in like the early 2000s. And Richard Florida talked about the creative class and how important it was for your downtown of your city to cater to this uh creative class who very often were young adults single uh oftentimes gays and lesbians um and you know double income no kids type couples uh richard florida was not big on catering to families richard florida believed your to thrive your downtown needed galleries uh museums uh hip restaurants cafes gluten-free bakeries you know all kinds of stuff and look i like all those places as much as the next guy But I'd say if you want to have a thriving community, there's really three things you need to have. One, you need safety. If people are afraid, if they are afraid they're going to get mugged, if they're afraid they're going to get raped, if they're afraid they're going to get killed, they're not going to want to live there. They're going to move out at the first opportunity available. Second major problem is they need jobs. They need to make a living. They need to be able to, you know, buy all those things that they want to buy in this city. They need to be able to afford rent. They need to be able to afford transportation, getting to their work, getting from their work, getting around the city to enjoy all those nice things. And the third thing they need is good schools. Because, yeah, maybe you can do okay with those double income, no kids things. But eventually, when men and women love each other very much, babies come along. And eventually, those babies need to go to school. Now, lots of cities you can get by and go into, you know, if you're wealthy, you can send your kids to private school. And that's, I think, kind of the default for a lot of people above a certain income level in New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, maybe even in Washington, D.C. But a lot of people are dependent on the public schools. Sending their kids to an expensive private school isn't an option. So... They need good public schools. And if you said to me, you've got a city that's got safe streets, low crime rates, good low unemployment rate, a lot of job openings, and it's got good public schools, that city's going to thrive. The gluten-free bakeries, that's nice. That's, you know, it's, you know art galleries, that, that's all nice to have. But you got those big three important things you can take care of that. A lot of Richard, by the way, Richard Florida kept called the patron saint of gentrification, right? What I'm describing about going on in cities is, I think, a good description of what's going on all across the state of California. People in charge of government have forgotten the basics. Crime, schools, jobs, economic opportunity. Those big three. Take care of those three. Instead, you know, Mr. French Laundry over there, ignoring his own rules on the pandemic, is able to take care of all these things that are great for the luxury class, but ignore the vast majority of those people. And realizing that he's in trouble, Gavin Newsom takes every opportunity to demonize 
red states and those who differ. And if getting you mad at Walgreens is what Gavin Newsom needs to do to get through the day, that's what he's going to do. Don't be fooled, Californians. But I'm not waiting for you to change your mind. Very, very well said. That's exactly what's happening there. Jim, pretty heavy day here on the Three Martini Lunch. I think we might need something a little stronger before we gather for tomorrow. But uh, at least it's Friday tomorrow. Three martinis and a bottle of bourbon lunch. (laughs) Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and tell some friends about us as well. Thank you also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep them coming. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a wonderful Thursday and join us again on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app.